welcome to episode 159 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, we're back with more Static Shock this week. The episode Cameron's been dying to get to this entire time. The Hoop Kazam. Squad. Wait, what did you watch? <laughs> oh, you didn't watch Kazam? No, I watched Kazam. What did you watch? <laughs> A really shitty episode of Static Shock. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! You're not gonna hit, you're not gonna hate on basketball Power Rangers over there, which we will we will get to uh, as well as the episode. Now you see me, and of course, the usual notes from friends at Bat Plugs. But first, uh, a little bit of news. We're recording this before anything major has come out of Comic Con, so there's really not too much to discuss there. Uh, but there are a few little things. Um, starting off with some uh, what is absolutely sad news for our favorite streaming service dc universe uh which is now officially no longer selling annual memberships Uh, this is the most substantial nail in that coffin to date and i'm sad yeah so like does no one can buy or can you buy month to month it's only monthly now okay yeah yeah how 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 much longer is your annual membership for because it may not last long <laughs> that's a good question and i, I doubt got they'll it refund at your money. comic-con 2018 so that would have been two years ago this month and yeah. i think they gave me three months free so oh, okay october end of october okay well we'll, we'll find out soon yeah <laughs> i i suspect we're just gonna try and log in one day to watch at that point it'll probably be justice league and it's just going to not work and no one's gonna have told us at all yeah i mean well well luckily we both have the justice league box sets this is true this is true we can go back to old-fashioned physical media um but you know cameron as with all things in life as one thing ends another begins and you reached out to me because you had some news that you were so oh excited my about God. you could hardly contain your enthusiasm guys g4 is is coming back i i i've i've shared my love for this this network a, a many a time i i moved to this to this neighborhood because of this channel i i don't know what to feel when they so they, there's like a, a very minor teaser that came out for it and when they played the the logo sound at the end of that teaser i had like a full body reaction to it (laughs) like i i can't explain what happened part of me like it was like butterflies a little bit i wanted to throw up for some reason did you have chills i had chills were they multiplying were you losing control it was truly electrifying do do we (laughs) Thank you for picking up what I was putting down. Uh, do we know yet what capacity it's coming back in? No. So this is my concern and problem. Not problem, okay. just v- rampant curiosity. Mm-hmm. Because everything that was on that channel is now kind of at its peak. Or, I mean, I might even say past, like just past its peak. Okay. Like, I feel like we're we're a little past the ninja warrior craze yeah i mean if we get like if we get the original sasuke back like i'll fucking marathon that every day Mm -hmm. uh like bring me give me give me back unbeatable bonzuke like that show was so much fun but with that like that is kind of past its prime we are in this era of reality television where we're kind of just blatantly stealing from south korea and japan with mask singer and um uh what's the one that keegan michael key hosts um game on is one that he does with vanessa williams and rob gronkowski but it's definitely kind of inspired by kind of the the japanese game show formats where it's like these three on three minor celebrities coming together situation Mm -hmm. it's like that aspect of g4 is it's kind of here but really g4 was was thriving because there was no other place to get this information like at the okay. time, it was the first network to have a presence at Comic Con and at E3 and CES, mm-hmm. and kind of all these places. And now, everyone has a presence there. So, what are you hoping to see out of this? Then I don't know, and that's <laughs> that, that's my problem. Like, I would love for Attack of the Show to come back. Yeah, but I don't know how you do that anymore. Do you go to Twitch? Is this a CBS platform? Is it on Peacock? I I couldn't imagine them making this a cable channel. I think that's that would be a horrible move. Oh, I can't imagine that either. I mean, uh, yeah, there there's just no longevity in that at this point. 
Yeah. And, and like, I can see them kind of taking an audience from Twitch. Like they can, if they make their own platform around G4, you know, that, that can rival your IGN, your Nerdist, your Twitch. If you have, you know, like, uh, esports tournaments, like that wasn't even a thing back when G4 existed. And that's now a booming economy. Do you, do you think they might have to try and reclaim some of the real estate they once had that's now gone off and found success elsewhere? Absolutely. Hmm. And I, I think kind of Adam Sessler will be a really integral part of that if they bring him back. Because Adam Sessler kind of left G4 to help run IGN. Oh, okay. Uh, and now he's kind of this cranky old man where you can find him at the smoking pit at Comic-Con. Just like, like grumbly talking about video games he doesn't like so i as excited as i am i i have to know what they're gonna do Mm -hmm. uh because even like like kevin Pereira was still doing the attack on twitch he had he had a daily talk show yeah and i watched maybe two or three episodes of it it wasn't it wasn't the same thing i mean i sorry it was the same thing but it didn't have the same like love and energy but yeah i i'm so I need a little bit more information on what they're going to do. But hey, the the potential's here and the promise that comes with it. So, yeah, you know. exactly. And we're always looking for good news wherever we can find it. And, you know, this is maybe some of the best news you could have gotten right now. Yeah. And and like G4 had a good amount of just like short content. Mm-hmm. So even if they just come back in kind of like a YouTube format and they can make like a news just be like a G4 news network. Yeah. Do like, hey, here's your around the net for the day. They post a video at 6 p.m. every day where they just do a roundup of the 10 best videos online. Yeah. Maybe they're going to go the uh, the Quibi approach here and just go for just, oh, no. non- just super short form content that no one gives a shit about. Just not Quibi. <laughs> Don't be Quibi. <laughs> I, I love that there was a, a point in our industry where people would say like, oh, it's kind of like Quibi and use that as a sales point. And now no one will ever say those words ever. Again. I know. <laughs> Fucking Katzenberg. I had to give the Katzenberg history lesson to one of my coworkers the other day. I'll refer to that. I didn't have to. I chose to give the Katzenberg yeah, I, history lesson I, to one of my coworkers I, the other day. You definitely didn't have to. And I'm sure they regretted it as soon as you did. Oh, they did. They absolutely did. I, I feel bad sometimes because like I will shoehorn myself into history lessons yeah um okay so a few other small announcements came out this week a lot of them revolving around release dates one of which is that a whole bunch of stuff got pushed back so like disney pushed back all their star wars films and all their avatar films another year um and i don't think anyone cared no i mean like i like the marvel stuff that's kind of upsetting yeah, I, I I think people were more upset they had to wait one more month for Spider-Man 3 than they were they had to wait a full other year for <laughs> an Avatar film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. James Cameron did announce that all the Avatar films are pushed back a year. And it's yeah. very, like, I, I don't know if you read the letter. It was very kind of, like, sad. I mean, look, I'm not going to say I feel bad for James Cameron because he's got plenty going for him. Um, but, I mean, this is something he is heavily invested in there's a whole conversation we had about whether he should or not, but the reality is he is. And I, I do feel bad just for someone who is so passionate about a project, having to see it just continuously get delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think the longer it's delayed, the, the better it's going to have to be to make people care at this point. Cause, cause I think this is really interesting. So Tron three gets announced. Fans are like pretty excited. And I, I think, I think the avatar weight is just like knowing that it's always been coming that fans are just like, Oh, we don't care anymore. Whereas yeah, like if Disney had been teasing us since 2010 of like, get ready for Tron three, Tron three is on its way. It's like, Oh, sorry guys. I got to push Tron a little bit. We're going to push Tron a little bit. Yeah. It's like the difference between something you thought was dead that all of a sudden it's coming back versus something that we've been threatened with for a decade. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, but, you know, as, as stuff continues to get pushed, because, you know, at this point, the United States, at least people aren't ready to go back to theaters, stuff keeps getting moved. So, you know, we now know that Mulan is, um, kind of doesn't have a release date anymore as we're waiting for that to fall in. And then Tenet is now sort of indefinitely postponed, but one of the, I guess we'll, we'll call it a, a rumor slash, slash speculation 
um, is that Tenet might now get what they're referring to as a staggered release, meaning that as more theatrical markets reopen around the world, including China and parts of Europe, um, and maybe even parts of the United States, whether they should or not, separate thing. But as some markets are opening up, Warner Brothers might be considering um, releasing in those markets and letting a word of mouth build up before they are able to release in the United States rather than waiting to release simultaneously or near simultaneously, which is pretty typical for a blockbuster of this scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in combination was with, and as weird as it sounds, Bill and Ted <laughs> might start indicating a new method going forward because it was announced that uh, Bill and Ted's going to be coming out in a simultaneous theater and video on demand release on September 1st. And so that combination of things um, might be enough to start shaking up traditional theatrical distribution release where now it's more just like, hey, you know, we'll start in one place and sort of roll it out staggered or like and also start releasing it um, multiple methods simultaneously. Um, sort of like a day and date release as well for a big movie. We've seen that done on smaller scale before, but nothing maybe quite the same size as Bill and Ted. Um, and now a lot of people are speculating that that might happen to New Mutants because the one piece of news that's come out of Comic-Con <laughs> so far is that the New Mutants is going to get a theatrical release Damn on right August 8th. Nothing can stop the New Mutants per their new tagline. Um, and a lot of people think that with an August 8th release, the reality is that's just a matter of weeks away and you know theaters won't be reopened by then. So this might just be a, a minimal theatrical release to basically check off a contract obligation and then they'll end up putting it up on Disney plus or Hulu, one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, like what do you think about these, these changes? Do you think this might be indicative of a new method going forward, even after uh, the COVID lockdown is done? So the, the staggered release, n- now that I think about it, that's not a new concept. It's new for us no. because we yeah. always get it first. But I mean, there's, there's movies. I'm trying to remember what there was. There was a big one in the past couple years where like it didn't hit China or Australia for like three months. So like I, it makes sense, you know, <laughs> give, give the other countries their reward for being smart. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think staggered is fine. There is the whole, you know, um, piracy issue with at that point i agree with you like the stagger thing isn't entirely new i think it just got phased out over time primarily because of pirating that mm-hmm. they found it easier to control pirating also control spoilers if they release simultaneously um but like from the the kind of simultaneous vod thing like i think that holds a lot of promise like bill and ted is something that i would totally rent to watch at home i don't necessarily need to go see it in a theater i i'm curious the price point because i can see them if you're given the option like super upcharging the home version. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I imagine that initially it's going to be like Scooby-Doo was, which was what, like 20 to rent and 25 to it's like rent slash buy. Yeah. Um, I feel like that might maintain for a little while, but if it starts to get normalized and even bigger movies um, start to head this direction, I wouldn't be surprised if the price starts to go up more and more. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's hurting the single white household like myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I even put race in that. It's not it's not a race thing at all. But it no. is one of those things of like if you are if you have two people living in your household or you know are just a couple, don't have to be living together. Um yeah. it it would cost forty dollars here to see a movie together. Mm-hmm. And so even if even if the movie is thirty dollars digitally, it still would make more sense to just watch it digitally and save the money. Well, Cameron, let's be honest. If this continues to happen, you, Shane, and I will always end up watching these things together. Yeah, I mean, but I, you know, you know me. I, I will never abandon my theater. No, that's true. You'll be the one person there. I'm literally moving <laughs> almost into that's a movie true. theater starting the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Cameron's going to be living in the lobby of a movie theater before too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Look, th- this will be interesting going forward. Uh, you know, I think also just the the industry is desperate for like any sort of status quo change because as things are right now, it's not working. And the reality is they have to find ways to get stuff released because this isn't changing anytime soon. And on top of that, we're now getting a massive backlog of movies. You know, yeah. you, can all, you can keep pushing stuff that's, you know, either in you know the pre-production stage or in, you know, partway through production further out. But the reality is there's a huge, just like queue of things that is ready to be released in the pressure's building. And the industry has a, 
find a way to relieve that a little bit. Yeah, and they're they're already about to walk over each other. I mean, everything was supposed to explode in November. Yeah. Because we were supposed to get, what, Bond and... Bond, Black Widow, um, Wonder Woman, I think Mm -hmm. now it's like October, November, something like that. I think even a lot of those are uncertain. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those also start getting pushed. Yeah. So I, I think we're going to continue to see more like low to mid tier releases get simultaneous VOD. I, I think the major blockbusters are still going to hold out. I really don't think we're going to see a Tenet or a Wonder Woman or anything Marvel or a Bond. A Tenet. A Tenet. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think a lot of other stuff will. And I'm not, I'm not entirely opposed to it. So, so we, we've been having this kind of ongoing conversation for a while with this kind of fallout of the big budget movies Mm -hmm. do you think this might be the ebb of of mid-tier movies kind of coming back into the conversation i think it's definitely possible i think the theatrical model wasn't viable for a long time but i think now a a vod theatrical combination might be yeah because i think we're going to start to see the shift of especially in the next couple years of theaters just being like hey we just need to get Oh, we just need to get money coming in. Yeah. And so we're, we're just going to make movies that are going to have like kind of shortened time frames. They're going to be in that like 20 to $40 million bucket. You know, we're going to get the, the single base films as, as Eisner coined back in the late eighties. I mean, I feel like Netflix has been doing that for the last few years already. Right. It's like they, they have greater capability to target their audience than anyone else. And so they're willing to put up, you know, low to mid-level money and now sometimes big money for an audience they know they already have and so i we might just start to see more major studios take gambles on this stuff again because the 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 cost of marketing and distribution wouldn't be what it once was yeah and uh, i think there's two things that come out of that every studio now has their own streaming service at this point uh minus viacom because fuck (laughs) you viacom uh i don't mean that i love you hire me nickelodeon but you also have the issue, not issue, you also have the situation where we don't know if people would pay for these movies. These are movies of convenience, not of desire. But I think there's greater flexibility to test out pricing models this way than there is with theaters. At the end of the day, like your your theatrical ticket price is so dependent on the exhibitors and on so many other factors. Whereas here, the studio can basically just decide. Yeah, you know they'd be like, okay, we're we think that people are willing to pay twenty bucks for this one, so let's try it. And if it's not quite what we expect, then maybe the next time around we'll we'll shift one way or the other. Uh, all right. Well, should we move on to uh, Hoop Squad? Our let's first talk about shock episode of the week. Let's talk about the the Shaq episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shaq makes a cameo appearance somewhere in the background. Okay. Okay. Here, let me let me let me talk through my thinking about this really quick. You never see a super team besides the Fantastic Four of four. It's always three or five or okay. more. I think <laughs> Shaq is the fifth member of the Hoop Squad that's just off doing his own mission. He's so much better than he's the Tommy of the Hoop Squad, obviously. The uh, Tommy? Tommy's the the Green Ranger turned White Ranger, turned Red Ranger, oh, turned okay. Red Ranger again, turned Black Ranger. Because these are just Power Rangers. They even have a bad alpha. No, I know. It, it absolutely is just Power Rangers. Uh, but for those of you who don't, don't know what we're referring to, so this episode, <laughs> Hoop Squad, uh, it sees Virgil and Richie discover that Carl Malone, Steve Nash, Yao Ming, and Tracy McGrady, all NBA stars, are actually superheroes called the Hoop Squad. And so Static and Gear team up with them to fight Dr. Odium, who wants $100 million or he's going to use his army of nanites to cause a massive earthquake in Los Angeles. Now, Cameron, this has been a hotly anticipated episode for you uh, over the course of Static Shock, extending even all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. Did it hold up? I love this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so corny. Look, I I think I have a a new appreciation for this episode because of watching the Michael Jordan documentary. Okay. Because before, like before when I watched this episode, I'd only steer for, I'd only cheer for Steve Nash. Cause right. he's my and boy. He's your boy. Remind me again. What's your connection with Steve Nash? He was my favorite Maverick player. I grew up in Dallas. Mavericks were our okay. team. Okay. Yeah. And for me, he's like the, one of the only basketball players I know because he's one of the few 
well-known people to come out of my university. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know, Mav's number 13, turned son's number 13. Great. I, I only ever cared about him with this episode, and he, in my opinion, has, has the worst power. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's break down their powers here, because it's, it's a little bit odd. So the whole idea is that they're not superpowered themselves, but there's, what is it, like the, the national... I should have written this down because it's so, so stupid. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So it's the NBA, a.k.a. the National Biotech Authority, yep. um, has built super suits for all of them. So it doesn't really make sense because these aren't biotech suits because they haven't bio, you know, engineered any of them. They're just power suits. Um, but okay, so let, let's go through the list here. So Carl Malone is the pulverizer. Mm-hmm. And what he just grows big hands. Right, like his hands just really big, and he punches things. Yeah, and they're like strong, and they can break things. Okay, so basically, he grows Hulk hands. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash is Point Man, and he just shoots like barbs out of his fingertips. Explode! Yeah, a little. He has little missiles at, at his fingertips. I I hate it. I think it's the worst power of the group. Uh, all right, and then Yao Ming is Center Force, and he's just Stretchy Man. Yep. He, he's he's tall. already super tall, so let's make him that much taller. Exactly. Uh, and Tracy McGrady is spin drive and he can basically spin like a hurricane, like a tornado. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. <laughs> I, like I said, you, you never watched the last dance, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. Carl Malone has a big part in that because he was mm-hmm. like the one standing in their way of their final championship in 1998. Okay. And so like seeing him in here, I just like felt a little bad for him. It's <laughs> like, oh, you... You got the shit beat out of you by Michael Jordan. Uh, he's also the only one of the four basketball players to actually do his own voice. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, because I looked it up. Uh, so Phil Steve, Lamar, what, Steve, you're not doing anything. <laughs> I, look, I don't know what he was up to, but like Phil Lamar, further proving what an amazing voice actor he is, he also voices uh, Tracy McGrady slash Spin Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's see. Uh, Carmelone is voiced by Carmelone. Um, Jen Sung Outerbridge voices Yao Ming and Chris Cox voices Steve Nash. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm a little upset by that. Yeah. As you should be. Nash, come on, man. Don't, don't, don't do me like that. Don't do us like that. They couldn't even get the actual basketball players to do their own voices. So Carl Malone, this is 2003. Was Carl Malone on the Lakers? Yeah, based on his color scheme in the episode, I would presume he's in the Lakers. Okay, then maybe it was just like a location thing. Because I assume they oh, filmed, I assume they recorded this in LA. Okay, maybe he was the only one who could actually get over there. Yeah. Or the, oh, DC was willing to pay the money to come <laughs> over. <laughs> they blew all their budget on the, on the Shaq promos three years earlier. Right. Okay, so I, I have a lot to say about this, but I want to hear what you liked about it first. Maybe you can try and uh, shift my perspective a little bit on this. So what, what about it did you enjoy? Uh, oh, I, I love the, the nanite villain, not, not Odom, Odium, uh, but, Odium, but his, the robot himself that he, yes, I yeah. love his look. It's very 1940s sci-fi villain look. Yeah. He's, it's an old school, like, sci-fi alien he's got this like metallic sheen to him and he's built out of a bunch of little nanite robots and he's so liquidy and i love his animation so much yeah so we see him pop up in the season four intro Mm -hmm. um it's just like an extra little addition and uh, i'd say that character design then holds up when we see him in the episode itself yeah i what else i love all the horrible basketball puns (laughs) <laughs> I was I was thinking about this and just like how hilarious would it be if to hide their identities they just use other sports puns or other sports metaphors. Mm-hmm. Oh, like they just make golf references to try yeah. to throw everyone <laughs> off their scent. Is that Tiger Woods? Okay, that only works if people <laughs> already assume that these are athletes, which is the well, Chris, dumbest they made it idea. Pretty, they made a pretty important point that only athletes can can power these suits because who else has right. the physical dexterity yes yeah, uh, that, that is their their justification only basketball players have the strength and skills to operate the bio enhancer suits completely ignoring all of the other superheroes that exist in this universe <laughs> some of whom wear bio enhancer suits yes but i mean we don't know how good bruce could be at basketball like we don't know if he is nba level he could just be a, ba- a, a basketball player who had to become a superhero instead 
I mean, to be fair, Bruce Wayne is the original and greatest Mary Sue of them all, where yeah. if he just needs to be an expert at something. He just is. And the explanation is, oh, he spent a year doing that when he's traveling the world. And like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And most superheroes, I would expect to be good at basketball. And I'm, I'm specifically thinking about Booster Gold, who's a bad hero. And I also think he'd be bad at basketball. Yes, he would be. I think Booster Gold's bad at most things. <laughs> including self-publicity which is what he's best known for Mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's when you have a marketing major become a superhero yeah no i i think they're i think there's they're onto something here okay so you 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 love the puns um you, you just love this episode exists yeah uh let's see what else did i write not a lot okay <laughs> cuz all right i'm i'm going to get into it here go for I it i think i think this tell me is your wrong opinions the Dumbest idea yet in the entire DCAU, and this episode makes the entire universe jump the shark in an absurd and annoying way. How dare you? Like, the the idea that someone actively wanted to and was paid to recruit basketball players who have some of the busiest, most regimented schedules on the planet. Well, that's why they didn't pick baseball players, Chris. <laughs> obviously baseball players play a game a day for 160 days yes they would be yeah unable to be heroes for such an extended window but like it also doesn't make sense normally these four guys live in different parts of the country but they're on a superhero team together when else outside of the nba all-star game does it even make sense for them to be in the same area to work cooperatively together well no they they have each quadrant of the of the map set so they each kind of control their own area no, that's not how squads work, okay? Squads yes, it is. are meant to always operate at the same time, no, Chris, not to Chris, be dispersed. Here's what you're not understanding. They're, they're, they're not following the American squad definition. They're following... Oh, the, I'm sorry. Is there a European squad definition that works differently? Uh, no, the Korean squad definition works differently. Where in Korea and in Japan, they have K-pop groups. And they go on separate tours. Because when you have big groups... They'll do like a, the, when you have six people, they'll do three separate tours of two. So then when they all come together, it's this huge event and you can, you know, hike up ticket prices. OK, you know what? Chris, if in, if in the episode they had explained <laughs> that they've modeled their superhero team on the Korean K-pop system, then I would have been OK with it. But as it works right now, it is the dumbest idea possible. And OK, there's only one thing in my mind that could have justified the existence of this group within the dcu and it's that is if in their next adventure they meet batman and batman immediately points out how stupid an idea this is <laughs> right i need the guy who actively uses children as human shields and who as we have pointed out numerous times continuously financially profits off of his own crime fighting i need that guy to point out what a stupid idea it is to put highly valued heavily insuranced people out crime fighting and the fact that it's just a massive marketing ploy i need that guy i need bruce wayne to point out to them how stupid this idea is because only from him would it truly highlight how terrible it i also is. i, I want to go back to a point I, I made a second ago where i said they're they're spread out equally across the u.s um they're not are they <laughs> <laughs> yao ming is in houston Yes. Nash is in Dallas. Yes. Carl <laughs> uh, uh, Malone is in L.A. Mm -hmm. And then um, Trace McGrady would have been in Orlando at the time. Okay. Well, they have the Southwest locked down tight. Exactly. And what else do you need to care about? <laughs> and then let's be honest, like the rest of the country, we just don't care what Florida's up to. <laughs> New York is, is Gotham. So we know that quadrant is safe by the real heroes. Mm-hmm. This is just like, I think they, they went around. It's like, which states don't actually ever have superheroes in them? Look, I, Cameron, I commend you on trying to find a way for this to make sense. Let's just be honest. It, it doesn't. And it undermines the credibility of everything else in the DCAU. This, t this episode to me is a greater affront to the DCAU than all of the Zeta Project. That's, that's a lot. I didn't realize you were this angry at this episode. I hated this episode. <laughs> so much and look to be fair 
I've said this before. I feel like all entertainment is ultimately like a light switch. Either you're on board or you're not, and you see everything else that lens. I was so not on board with this. I wrote out a whole list of other things this episode does that is incredibly stupid. Let me continue. But, but Chris, they, uh, you, they had a James Bond reference for you. I don't I care. don't see where I the problem it. is. I missed the James Bond reference because I was so distracted by how god-awful this is. Like, okay, look. So when we first see the nanites, right? They're dissolving rubber. Yep. That never comes back ever again. They never dissolve anything else the whole rest of... Well, because they already ate all the rubber, Chris. They ate, they ate all the rubber in LA. Yeah. That never comes back They have nothing again. else to eat. That's why they don't come back. Yeah. Um, we. It seems like at one point there might imply when uh, the, the nanites are attacking the hoop squad and static in the sewer. It, it sort of implies that they might be susceptible to water because static's powers don't work on them. Um, but then that goes nowhere. Um, somehow they're able to destroy all the nanites by reversing a pump, even though they went through the other direction of the pump. No problem without getting destroyed. Um, and also, why was Professor Odium on ice at the very end? Like, <laughs> he he just is a normal guy with a really advanced technology throughout the entire episode. At the very end, it's revealed that he is also a nanite robot himself. But then it's revealed that he's been hiding out in like a, a cryostasis this entire time. And they never explain why. Well, it's because if he gets caught, he can still continue his research. But is he going to like, is he on a timer? Like, is it just going to automatically unfreeze him? Like fry? The Nan had to open a door for him. God damn it. It's so, it's so dumb. And then hang on. Because you're the not most... seeing, you're only seeing what's on the screen. I need you to widen your vision a little bit. I need and to kind of see what's, what's behind the camera in all these situations. There's an answer to every one of these simple questions. Yes, I'm really missing the subtext of this episode. <laughs> but let, let's be honest. The, the greatest affront this episode makes is completely botching its LA geography. All right. Because <laughs> the very th very first thing we see is them in a stretch hammer limo. Of course it is. Driving east on hollywood boulevard past the chinese theater they're talking for about what 20 30 seconds then the next thing we see is them driving north on highland past the ripley's <laughs> explain to me how that is supposed to work look they're a block apart but they are not moving the same direction at that point uh, they, they can turn chris we i didn't see that car turn yeah because we we're inside also there's no direct route from lax which is clearly where they landed to uh, downtown where the Staples Center is that takes you through Hollywood. They're on a scenic route. It's their first time coming to LA. If they're going on a scenic tour, why the hell would they go like the back alleys behind Hollywood Boulevard and not go down the major part of it itself? It doesn't make any logical sense just with the rest of this episode. Because let me, let me get my words together on this. <laughs> yeah, you try and defend your way out of this, Cameron. <laughs> so they're going, so they, they got picked up at the airport. They go up to hollywood they, they, they do a 45 minute long detour to go to hollywood rather than just going straight down the tent okay let's say this we don't know that they landed in lax what if they landed at bob hope do you really think there's a direct flight from bob hope to dakota which is supposed to be detroit they can have connecting flights i can't even get like a direct flight from burbank to like denver all right <laughs> like those flights do not go very far nor can you get one up to seattle like there's no way there's a direct flight i know yeah you have to connect through sacramento to get up to seattle yeah exactly so i'm sorry no no they absolutely flew into lax they could have they could have connected this is also 2003 bob hope we don't know what their okay, their transition also, was the, like back the, then the reason they're there in the first place is maybe there was construction that, chris maybe there was no, something no, no, blocking no, no, their path no, no, hang on hang on the reason they're there in the first place is that pops helps raise a, a whole bunch of money for charity and so it's basically like the nba is thanking them by flying the you know pops virgil and richie out there there is absolutely no way that they're going to pay the premium to fly those three into burbank they're absolutely going to lx they don't give a shit okay okay reverse that way of thinking chris maybe maybe to save money they did two they did a uh they did a layover flight okay yeah. maybe they, they would landed still do a layover into lax was cheaper than flying into burbank we both know this we both Say, know this to be true again it's 2003 things were different back then okay so regardless they went out of their way to go through hollywood yes because they're tourists and that's what tourists do yeah uh, that's what I'm saying. You would continue on Hollywood Boulevard. You would not make the like the weird turnaround over by the uh, the Roosevelt Hotels and then go north on Highland. And then where would you go from there? 
North Highland, get on um what's what's the east west that's five? What the one oh one? The one get on the one oh one. And you can take that downtown, Chris. That lets you off right outside the Staples Center. You idiot. <laughs> Look, God, how are you end- such a local and so dumb at the same time, Chris? <laughs> because I'm a local. That's why I'm so dumb. Look, because I've end- accidentally gotten off of the Staples Center, so I'm trying to go to Disneyland because they're one exit apart. People Look, make mistakes when driving, Chris. Uh huh. There's nothing this episode could have done that would have made me forgive it for how stupid it is. <laughs> Do you critique every film that drives past uh, the Cinerama Dome? Yeah. And like, and then jumps to a different location because sometimes they can do that. Yeah. Uh, also, I will use this opportunity to defend the film Hollywood Homicide from like 2003 with Harrison Ford and Josh Hartnett, which actually does a really good job of maintaining ge- geographic consistency <laughs> as they go on a police chase from Beverly Hills into Hollywood. They actually do a really good job with that. Yeah, because there's one road. Yeah, but like normally if you're in LA, they'll pop all over the place. Like they are really, really solid. Credit to Ron Shelton on that one. I Look. I remember seeing uh, what happens in Hollywood at the Cinerama Dome. I believe with you. What and, happens in Hollywood? Sorry, that's not the movie. Um, <laughs> what was Tarantino's last film? You didn't see it with me because I saw it on a plane. Okay, <clears throat> but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Thank you. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the cinerama dome and as as they drove by it like an audible applause coming out of the audience <laughs> Woo, we're those people yeah we're, that's, that's where, where we are. are that's where we are look all right so what what other what other simple problems you have with this episode that i can look, fix for actually, you I've, I've gone through my list i've okay. gone through my rant i will give you the the one <laughs> one thing i thought was fun in this episode which is when Pops calls and wonders where the hell Virgil and Richie are because Virgil's still at the Hoop Squad because Richie's been kidnapped by Dr. Odium's robot. Uh, uh, to get out of it, Carl Malone just grabs a phone and it's like, hey, it's Carl Malone. I'm hanging out with Virgil. Do you mind if we like chill with him for a little bit and come back later? And Pops is just like so flabbergasted and so thrilled that his son's hanging out with Carl Malone. He's like, yeah, sure, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. I thought that was the best yet excuse to get Virgil out of trouble for not being around. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the one. Literally the one thing this episode gets. I, I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll share my one singular problem with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear uh, it. Uh, there was a line spoken by Yao Ming that was incredibly offensive to me. Mm-hmm. And it's when <clears throat> Virgil doesn't even say anything smart, just repeats what the doctor had just said. <laughs> Yao Ming says, wow, you're pretty smart for a short person. <laughs> and I'm like, that, you know what, Yao Ming? Cameron? Fuck you. See, as, as a person of a slightly above average height, I didn't really have an issue with it. I don't really see yeah, any I'm problems sure. with this episode, Cameron. It's a great episode. I remember playing like NBA games as a kid and thinking, because Nash is 6'3". Yeah. Thinking that like, I can't wait to be that like i i being nervous i was gonna be that short growing up wait you were nervous that you were only gonna be six foot three yeah because i didn't have any like when you see like basketball players in a video game or in real life on a court like through the tv not in person you there's no there's no like height indicator of how tall people are like you don't fully understand what seven foot six looks like they really should have a guy running around just with two yardsticks stacked on top of each other. Yes. He pays the players just to show you how tall they are. I want the ref to carry, <laughs> like, a, you have, like, a pole that, that shoots down the back of a shirt that extends beyond him so you can see exactly, like, this is what a normal height is and this is how tall everyone else is. Because seeing, like, seven foot six compared to six foot three, six foot three is still tall. Seven foot six is incredibly tall. Yes. Uh, so seeing those comparisons and not understanding that genetically my family is not six foot three. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Uh, I I just I never understood it. So like when because there's like those games where you'd make custom characters. Yeah. Uh, and I would, I would set them like, oh, 
I, I can't I don't I don't want to put him at six foot three, but that's the most honest height for me being the short person <laughs> that I am. I guess I have to settle for six foot three. That's what my future is going to be. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe this episode has, has scarred you when you watched it as a kid with the realization that you would never be as tall as poor short boy Steve Nash at six foot three. You've invented a fantasy where it's great just so you don't have to hold on to that pain anymore. There, I mean, there, there was one basketball player who was like five, six, five, seven. Hey. Could have been you. Could have been me. He's, he's the other one in um, Space Jam. Oh, right. The, the one who doesn't hit his head on the, the hospital doorway. Yes. And so there are yes. shots. And I didn't, I didn't realize this before. He's so much shorter than everyone else that he's on, is doing that shot specifically. He's not walking. He's, on, he's standing on a dolly, fake walking. That's, because they couldn't fit everyone in frame together. That is delightful. Uh, all right. Do you have any other uh, points you want to defend on this god-awful episode of Static Shock, the, the worst episode we've had yet of the series? Or I, I couldn't praise this perfect episode anymore from what I've already said. <laughs> I All I can say is I cannot wait when we get to the season three shortlist. <laughs> that that argument is going to be what it's going to go down in history along with the scooby-doo bait as the greatest of all tim talk battles all right well let's let's move on to our next episode here now you see him uh this oh, episode this one was finds, hard to watch uh what this one was hard to watch yeah uh this episode finds daisy being stalked by eddie felson uh let's call him what he is an incel she met at summer camp the year before yeah and as part of his internship he steals a time manipulator and is now using it to steal other things to try and impress daisy um also let me clarify what i just said part of his internship is not to steal the time manipulator he's at his company because he has an internship and he decides to steal the time manipulator um because he's been a nice guy for far too long He's, he's just the misunderstood nice guy. Uh, like last episode, I have a lot to say about this, but Cameron, I want to hear what your thoughts are first. I, I, when this episode started, I was having weird deja vu mm-hmm. because it starts off very similarly to the clone episode from season one or season two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I'm watching this. I'm like, this feels familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when the speedster started i remembered the finale of how this ended um and and kind of the the hyper zone or whatever they call it the hyper time the the hyper time time zone time clock stopper time oh fucking clock stoppers was great (laughs) great soundtrack um yeah this episode is it it made me uncomfortable because like i know people like this and I, I probably was like this at one point in my middle school, high school experience. Yeah, it's, it's just like when you have like a real villain, it's, it's, it's hard to, to watch some of their actions. This is probably one of the most grounded villain motivations, despite being one of the more absurd power sets we get. Um, I, I think this, if we had a modern version of this, this would be a great modern PSA. Yeah. Um, and they would absolutely have to throw in a Snyder cut reference in there somewhere. Cause Eddie is definitely a Snyder cut person. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, it, he's a person that, that like yelled at uh, Marie Tran after star Wars. Oh yeah. Yeah. He absolutely would bully Kelly Marie Tran on Instagram and Daisy Ridley. Um, yeah, he's just he's just a creeper. And like his whole thing is that he was the nerd that was so nerdy that the nerds at summer camp picked on him and Daisy was the only person that was nice to him. Sorry. Science camp. Excuse me. Summer science camp. Yes. Cause they had to identify that he was <clears throat> very nerdy as well. Oh yeah, he's super nerdy and he's just he's awkward and uncomfortable and he doesn't know what to do to get someone's attention um and so he just does like all of the wrong things but like my my big issue with this episode isn't that it's like an uncomfortable watch because you know there is maybe some good in having nerdy audience members watch this and maybe find this character like uncomfortably relatable and you know maybe a little eye-opening possibly 
What I had an issue with is every single element of this episode we have seen in other parts of the GCAU, and it's been done better. Um, and to prove my point, I made a list. Oh, goody. What, so, what other B2K references did we get before right, exactly. this? Uh, yeah, so if we're talking about the uh, the kind of story about uh, like a you know an incel or a stalker pursuing uh, a, a female character or even just the especially the the main hero's love interest, uh, we got this both in Rats and in Golem in Batman Beyond. Oh yes, Rats is yep yep yeah with the with the rat voices as a Dana, and then um, in Golem it's Willie Watts obsessed with Chelsea mm-hmm. in kind of a very similar capacity. Uh, we got a version of this in Superman with Target when um, Leitner is stalking and trying to kill Lois. Mm-hmm. We've seen time manipulators before in the clocking episode Time Out of Joint from BTOS. And then there's a whole other element of this episode, which is just very quickly glanced over, which is that uh, Eddie figures out who Static and Gear are. And he knows his secret identity and he basically is threatening to expose them if they try and stop him. We've seen that idea of someone figuring out the hero's identity multiple times before. We saw it in The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne and BTOS. We saw it in um, Feeding Time in Superman the Minute Series and Parasite hits Superman and gets a secret identity. And we also saw it with Sneak Peek in Batman Beyond, which is mm-hmm. the episode where the guy goes intangible and eventually like, sinks through the floor. So we've seen all these elements done numerous times. And the list I just gave aren't necessarily some of the best episodes of those shows, but like they're fine for what they are. But like, this is a even weaker version of multiple kind of weak story ideas. And I just felt like they didn't know what to do with it. And they just shoehorned in a whole bunch of random stuff. Like there's an extended sequence with the, where they have to like stop a plane crash from happening, which has basically yeah, nothing that's, to that's do crazy. With any of the rest of the episode. And also it it just doesn't and I think maybe I was just on a bender of nitpicking after Hoop Squad. <laughs> because Because it's I'm hard. Watching... I mean, when you see perfection, you have to find imperfection everything else. Of course, right. Everything else just crumbles in the shadow of Hoop Squad. Um, but so the whole thing is that the uh the company that designed this time manipulators which is what eddie uses to be able to go super fast basically he slows down time so this is actually the same idea as time out of joint um the guy who like runs the company dr mcdonald's uh saw security footage of eddie stealing the device and so he calls eddie he's like hey i saw you do this do the right thing and return it kind of a dumb move but okay kind of feasible but then why the hell does dr mcdonald's then get on a plane of like a private company plane with that tape. Like there's no reason for him to do that other than to set up a plane crash sequence to just fill time. I mean, I was expecting static to pull like a Superman maneuver. Um, cause I mean, Superman, obviously oh, yeah. Famous for his plane saving. Yeah. He's always there to show about his plane saving technique. I, I'm also shocked that, uh, honestly, I'm kind of shocked that they got away with like a plane crash sequence this close to 9-11 good good point yes i mean this episode came out in march of 2004 Mm -hmm. so yeah still soon enough um and i mean the they obviously drew it as a passenger plane that happened to just have one passenger yeah just so they can get away Mm -hmm. with making it less bad that eddie tries to murder this guy yeah because i even put that in my notes of like i was thinking it was a passenger plane this whole time and it's yeah. like, oh, it's just one guy and the pilot. <laughs> so, it's so ridiculous. And it, it just didn't have a lot to go on, you know. And so their, their resolution to the episode is basically that, like, to, to stop Eddie, one, Virgil's going to use Daisy as bait because mm-hmm. he's invited her to go see the B2K concert. Hell yeah. Fictional group, B2K, right? Fictional? No, real, real group. Real group? Yeah. Um, I should have known. They did. Uh, they did a song with P Diddy. Uh, it's the the bump, but bump, bump. No, because that's that's the thong song. It's not that song. Okay, wait, wait, hang on. So this means that the song they play at the concert, "Pretty Young Thing," is a real song. Yep. Holy shit! So this was two thousand four. Uh, I have their IMD. Or sorry, I have their their page up. Their discography. Yes. Their their greatest hits album came out in two thousand four. Mm, mm, that is a generous phrase. 
because uh, that song is so bad i assumed it was one of the like they're still making music they just had an album come out or they had just had a single come out this year and no one cared they had a christmas album <laughs> of course they did everyone had a christmas album but like it, it so he virgil's gonna use daisy as bait to lure eddie out so eddie gets her and then virgil realizes she's gone and then activates a time manipulator belt that gear built along with dr mcdonald um and it's a one-off sort of thing of course it is you can only use it once um and it's not super effective and of course their answer to you know how they're gonna resolve everything is the classic don't cross the streams thing of like hey whatever you do don't let eddie touch the belt while he's also using his time manipulator because i don't know what'll happen but it'll probably be bad so of course it happens and then it basically pulls Eddie into his own like little pocket timeline where he now he's moving super slow in comparison mm-hmm. to the real world. Now, how is that supposed to address the fact that he now knows their secret identities? So he can't understand any questions being asked to him being in this pocket dimension because from his perspective now, everyone would be talking so fast. He couldn't understand anything. So you're saying that there's no opportunity for someone to eventually just talk really, really slowly. Well, you saw how slow his blink is. To communicate with him or to, I don't know, maybe pulled up a written piece of paper that has a question on it. Yeah, but how, from his perspective, how long would it take for you to write and lift up that piece of paper? Doesn't matter. You so put a piece on, of paper on. in front of him. What What is the average it. length of a blink? Oh my God. What is, I'm going to fucking math the shit out of this. You could absolutely still question him. And even if all else fails, he could just sit there and constantly repeat the words Virgil Hawkins over and over again. And eventually someone would like hear what he's saying. A, an average blink is one third of a second. Okay. So he's so so that's. I, I just forgot how to do all all math. Nine minutes. It would take him nine Wait, what are you trying to figure out? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to think of how, like, what speed his reality is, is set at. So he's moving at 504. I fucking, I, I could have done that math for fucking skateboarding <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. When you do a yeah. 183 times the 540. Um, <laughs> that, yes, that's the, that's the best way to do multiplication in your head is based it off of skateboarding tricks. Yeah. What, what else did you learn from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? <laughs> Uh, so he's moving at one five fortieth of normal human speed. Okay. If it takes you a minute to write something down, that would be to him sixty times five forty. Okay, Cameron, I, I really appreciate your efforts to try and that would take numeric- him thirty two thousand <laughs> minutes from his perspective. Okay, whatever. He's got all the time in the world at this point. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. All right. So that, my, my that messes is, with your mind. You saw what happened when when just Riddler got hit with something that messed with his mind. He thought he was Batman. All all I'm saying is there are still ways that he could communicate, and thus communicate who Gear and Static really are. And it just goes to show like how lazy this episode was. Like not only is it just pulling a bunch of disparate elements we've seen a bunch of other places, but even when it does the one interesting thing is how we're going to answer the question of the identity now being known by a villain, it just skates past it really quickly with a version that doesn't even really work. Okay, Chris, and I have this question for you. Would you rather have had this ending or have it be in a train yard and he's hit by a train? Kill him. Hit him with a train. I don't care. Yeah. Bring another PSA in here. Yes. Static turns to camera and says, don't mess around with trains, kids. Look, we can never get too many trained PSAs in the DCAU. We haven't had one in a really long time. I absolutely would have been fine with them pulling that thing that's been done before in here if it meant giving us something better than what we got. Um, Maybe I was just in a bad mood when I watched these episodes, but I was like, both of these are garbage. Like, full-on fucking terrible garbage. If you are, because I I think about time manipulation and speed manipulation a lot. Of course you do. Um, You wouldn't be able to breathe. Right? Because if you are manipulating time, you're manipulating the speed of the molecules. Air wouldn't be able to move freely. 
I, I think you're giving this way more thought than anyone who wrote this episode did. And then if you were slowing down the speed of time, gravity would affect you differently because the Earth wouldn't be rotating at the same pace Look, from I mean, your perspective. So that would fuck you up. So you just kind of float off in the distance while suffocating. Yeah. Damn, that he sucks. He deserves it. <laughs> he does. He's a terrible it. person. Uh, no, I, I hated this episode. Uh, any other thoughts on it? <laughs> um, as, as out of place as it was, I did like Giran Sadek trying to stop the plane. Yeah. I, I did like that Gear's defense was that he's logged like 1,500 hours on a flight simulator on his PlayStation, so he should be able to handle mm-hmm. this. Oh, and then the, the joke, at the, the button at the end of it, when Static is like, you hit your dad's car. Oh, yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty, that pretty clever. Um, yeah, so it had one moment. Oh, and, and as we mentioned last week, Richie finally hit someone with his, his gadget. Himself? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because he he throws his uh, his binding cables and then Eddie just stops them, turns around and throws them back at him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we know they're effective against someone. Yes. And that if it's crucial to the storyline, Chris, <laughs> that means <laughs> it's got to be on the shortlist. Oh, my God. Our shortlist discussion is going to be two hours <laughs> long. I cannot wait for it. All right. Well, shall we uh, move on to some notes from friends here? Let's do it. Okay, uh, just a couple quick little ones here. Um, one is uh, Ashley Clark wrote in to uh, lament with us on how terrible the catalog is on HBO Max. Um, I, I went on it looking to go watch like one of the original four Batman movies. None of them are on there, basically. Oh, um, I, I, I was going to bring this up in news. Yeah, uh, along with them not having a lot right now, they're losing Harry Potter. And they're losing Harry Potter. That's crazy. Yeah, because I think they sold the streaming rights to harry potter to i want to say universal so it might end up on peacock i mean honestly i i still think peacock i haven't watched anything on there yet but i do think peacock is better than hbo max right now yeah no i i think that's fair um but ashley also had a recommendation which is to uh watch the movie charade or charade i guess it all depends on how you want to pronounce it like a pretentious asshole or like a normal person well we all know who i am i'm a pretentious (laughs) asshole so i'm gonna call it a charade Yes, you can go watch Sherrod, which I believe is uh, Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant, I'm pretty sure. Okay. But uh, no, she said it's a great film, kind of like um, Hitchcock Light. Uh, so no, I'll definitely go check that out. And then also just want to send a, a thank you out to uh, a couple podcasts, uh, Pizza and Parsecs. Um, and they do a, a kind of like a, a nerd podcast similar to ours. Um, you know, they go over like Star Wars, Harry Potter, DC, Marvel, and so much more. And they were nice enough to, um, you know, uh, throw like a shout out to us on Twitter and to include this on their uh, Follow Fridays. Um, they did that as well as the podcast, uh, The Geeks Strike Back. Um, oh, thanks so much, guys. Also does like a cool look at like current events, pop culture movies. So just want to say thank you to, to both of you for, for doing that really, really lovely shout out. Much That's awesome. So, yeah. All right, and then with that, why don't we move on to some bat plugs here? Cameron, what do you got for us this week? Uh, I haven't watched a lot of new stuff, but I did. I just watched the first episode of um, what well, Down to Earth, the the Zac Efron series on Netflix. Oh, how is it? It's it's interesting. Okay. I like the idea. What's um, the, the the premise? It's it's them. It's him and his friend kind of traveling the world in a similar kind of like Anthony Bourdain style where he's kind of like trying different cultures. But the focus is primarily on how other countries are handling kind of the future global crises of global warming. Uh, So the first one is is him is the two of them going through Iceland Mm -hmm. and kind of going through their their hydroelectric plants and some other one of their other energy plants basically have their they're almost completely green as a country okay but then at the same time doing like the tourist things of like going to a chocolate factory and getting to make their own chocolate bars and um there's one city in iceland where the the beach sand is boiling underneath and so people make bread by burying it in the sand 
and it's supposed to come out as like this this unique like cake like consistency and on, like look it looked really good oh that does sound really awesome uh but my problem with it is i'm sure zach is a smart person and i'm sure he and he is a he's a very nice person from the stories that i've heard but when when it's him and this guy that he's with and i don't remember his name right now darren darren mm-hmm. the two of them <clears throat> are so broy. It's like going on a field trip with a frat house, <laughs> <clears throat> which is not always a problem. But when yeah. they're like, you know, when they're doing like the bread stuff, that's fun. When they're making their chocolate bars, that's fun. But when they're going through like the future of technology and the future of energy plants and like they're still making the same bro jokes mm-hmm. and I'm like, this feels a little out of place. <laughs> Maybe a little bit tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it. All I know about it is that uh, the gays were super excited because Zac Efron has now reached his next stage in gay evolution. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he, he he's like went from being like a, a, a twink to a twunk um, <clears throat> to now on like, you know, like a like a like a jock. And now he's in full on daddy mode and uh, the gays are loving it. Yeah, there was a there was a great article. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but someone was like, Zac Efron fully embracing the dad bod. And it's like, no, you mean the dad beard. Like yeah, he's that's, still, that is, he still has a six pack. That is not a dad bod at all. That is just, just pure man muscle. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't, <laughs> just because he has like an unkept beard doesn't mean he's a dad bod. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. Uh, Zach Efron has really nice calves. I, I, I once walked behind <laughs> him and I was like, oh, I was like, who's this person in front of me in shorts and these really nice calves? Oh, it's Zach Efron. Right on. I mean, I'm sure I feel like he's just always in shape. Yeah. Even though he just had like a pretty bad, not just had, like a year ago, he had a pretty bad injury. Yeah. No, I, I, I do have a, a, a bit of a love for him. He, he's, he is broy, but I don't know. He's got a charm to him. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm going to watch a few more episodes of this. It, it's a, it was a really nice, like in the background kind of show. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And the next episode is Anna Kendrick is on and I love her. Oh, cool. That's true. You do. You do love Anna Kendrick. And she's a streaming queen. She so, is. Yeah. Talk about having your own platform. How about instead <laughs> you have every platform? She has all of the platforms. <laughs> uh, but what about you? What have you been watching, reading, listening this week? Uh, I listened to uh, a new podcast. So uh, for anyone listening to this knows that not only am I a huge Batman fan, given what we do here, but also I'm a huge James Bond fan. And I found a beautiful what? overlap of those two things. And so it's a podcast called uh, 007 by 7 and it's where uh, Mitch Bryan, who's a screenwriter, but one of the things he would be most well, most well known for amongst this group is that he helped develop Batman the Animated Series. So he's one of the credited writers on the show Bible, and he's also the credited writer on the pilot on Leather Wings, as well as episode Bane. Um, and Ooh, so good episode. he just started this podcast where he and his, uh, his colleague John Engel go through and they watch the entire James Bond film franchise in seven-minute increments. Um, and I can never get too much 007. So I was super excited when I discovered this is a thing and listen to the first episode and they're doing Dr. No first, obviously. And it's really great. You know, like they're both super knowledgeable. Um, and you know, I'd say the thing that they do differently than say James Bonding, which I've talked about numerous times before is while James Bonding is like super fun and they throw in like lots of trivia, but it's a lot about like the, just the, the kind of goofiness and the chemistry and the comedy the thing that I really like about um, Mitch's podcast is that he really gets into just the, the knowledge. Like he and his uh, co-hosts are really, really knowledgeable about the film, about cinema in general, and then the the books as well. And so like I'm listening to this like and I'm learning things that I didn't know, which if I can be, you know, a pretentious jerk once again. <laughs> You're always welcome. I, I consider myself pretty damn knowledgeable about James Bond. So anytime I can learn something new, I find it very, very exciting. Um, but no, it's, it's a great podcast. It just started, I think the first maybe two or three episodes are out um, and it'll be down in the show notes and I highly recommend it. That sounds so, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that does it for us this week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening as always. Um, you can reach us at Tim talk pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, if you also found hoop squad to be a, uh, an abomination and a, an affront to the entire DCAU, I would love to hear that from people. 
Or if Chris is wrong and you want to side with me <laughs> on this very lonely <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah, exactly. If, if you think I'm absolutely wrong and you just want to send me so much hate mail, uh, you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> yes, I will, I will make an account to send you hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the power of your love for Hoop Squad is that you will do the thing you <laughs> swore never to do, which is to join Twitter just to harass me. Yep. Cameron, I approve. I appreciate that level of commitment. Uh, but where can they find you uh if you want to see my art you can find that at cameron.dexter and if you want to see my face you can find that at cam dexter underscore adventures all right well boom 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 that does it for us we'll be back next week with uh one of cameron's most anticipated episodes once again where the rubber meets the road yes uh a great episode with rubber band man all about dyslexia and i believe it's our last uh special episode of mm -hmm. static shock right is it the last special episode of the DCAU? Uh, yeah, I feel like that's kind of abandoned after this because then yeah. we start getting into you know Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, which is much more about like the you know the long form storytelling and not so much about the don't play with trains kids mm -hmm. of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of sad. Uh, I know, but hey, very much looking forward to that. So uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with that. Until then, thanks so much and uh, bye. Thanks, guys. A superhero, static shark. A superhero, Static Shock. Whoop, whoop.